You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a after Thanksgiving holiday edition of the Locked On College Football Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Joining me as always, my man, Big Ten Ben Stevens. And we've got Colin Wilson from the Action Network joining us once again each and every week as we do in the first segment. Colin, thanks for uh, hopping on. I appreciate you taking time out of your holiday schedule to join us. I'm going to kick this off real quick. Let's, let's get right into the big game for me. Iowa State at Texas, 11 a.m. Friday morning. What are we looking at in this game? Yeah, the market's been very interesting on this one, opening up Texas minus two, minus one and a half. It looks like it's going to float over uh, to be Iowa State is the favorite by the time we kick uh, on Friday. And for me, this was a really hard one to handicap to say who's going to win, because I think if you can get two and a half or three on either side, you're probably good. I think it's going to be that kind of game, very competitive. If you look at the weather, there's a 25% chance of rain. Uh, there is going to be 10 mile an hour winds. And if you know the orientation of the stadium, that's going to be sideline to sideline and not necessarily into one of the field goal posts. So, you know, taking all that into consideration, you have to look at what the strength of each offense is and what the strength of each defense is. The strength of the Texas D is stopping the run, but that's not what Iowa State's going to attempt to do. Iowa State's going to have Brock Purdy passing almost every single attempt, even in standard downs. And he should have a clean game because Texas ranks 107th in sack rate. They're just not getting any pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, both teams are top 20 in finishing drives on offense, meaning they get a lot of points on the board once they cross the 40. I think Texas is going to be able to contribute in points because of beyond Robinson. He's averaging four yards after contact that is like workhorse type running back level in, in college football I think there's just there's too much poor tackling going on here uh, these teams rank 81st and 118th per PFF in tackling in college football those aren't good numbers so what that tells me is Purdy's going to have success through the air Texas is going to have success on the ground and both teams are going to have success once they cross the 40 yard and getting points on the board I like the over 57. I'm staring at the live market here because I think it's going to tick up at some point. So there's 56 is 56 and a half out there. 57 is your buy point. That's that's a little bit of a key number. I, I would take an over up to that number. The 2020 college football season has been incredibly strange, but the weekend after Thanksgiving in normal times is rivalry weekend, and we still have some semblance of that this weekend with the Iron Bowl. 22nd ranked Auburn visits first ranked Alabama. The big news coming out on Wednesday morning, Nick Saban, Alabama's head coach, of course, has tested positive for COVID-19. Most likely, we think, unless he beats it down like he did last time, he will not be on the sidelines for this rivalry game against Auburn, but Bama, a heavy favorite, 24 and a half. They are favored heading into this this year's Iron Bowl. Colin, I'll be riding with the tide, or do you think Auburn can cover that spread? I don't think Auburn can cover the spread, and I know that Nick Saban's got COVID, and that is an issue. It's not an issue for me from an Alabama perspective of, of the offensive side. Steve Sarkeesian makes the game plan. He calls the plays. He makes the adjustments at half. Saban really has been supporting more of Pete Goulding, the defensive coordinator, more than anything else because Pete was his hand-picked guy. He wants Pete to succeed. And sometimes the defense has struggled at times, but right now they're not. And so if you go and you look at the Auburn side of the ball, if you take Saban out of the equation, I'm not really sure he's worth more than a point or two to the spread. 
but if, if you get past that, Auburn's got serious injury issues. We're talking both tackles, left tackle, right tackle, and Tank Bigsby is still listed as questionable. He couldn't even finish the Tennessee game. And if you listen to Malzahn uh, during his Monday presser, he's not too confident any of these players are going to play. Uh, he was pointing to Brendan Coffey, a Juco transfer, to come in and play tackle, blindside tackle. Uh, Austin Troxel uh, is going to get the call at the other tackle position. Limited snaps, but in grading, he wasn't that good in run blocking and pass blocking. Uh, and, you know, if Tank Bigsby is not there, there's literally nothing here for them, for Auburn to try to score points or at least to give Bo Nix enough protection to hit those fantastic wide receivers. Tank Bigsby, if you look at his numbers, 527 rushing yards on the season, 357 have come after contact. The guy dies to be hit so he can run even more. It, it, assume, assuming full health. Let's say the tackles were fine. Let's say Tank's big, Tank Bigsby is going to be fine. Auburn has to deal with Najee Harris. They are one of the worst ranked teams in the country on the defensive line and line yards, power success, stuff rate. Those are all fancy terms for me saying they can't control the trench whatsoever on the defensive side of the ball. This Bama offensive line is a top 50, is top 15 in every category. Uh, I think they're going to steamroll them. And one little thing that people don't realize, those Bama teams that we made fun of a couple of years, well, at least we did on Action Network podcasts, about how they can't win the national title because their secondary gives up too many big plays, that's gone. They're now – they rank sixth in PFF in pass coverage, uh, so that is not a problem for them. And, listen, I think I think this could be ugly. I, I, every, every single aspect of this, especially with the injury concern, this could be ugly. If Saban – the news of Saban wants to knock that number down a little bit, I will happily oblige and put some more money into the Crimson Tide. Well, I mean, I think I think you're dead on. I don't think the Saban news hurts uh, as much as maybe people want it to hurt because obviously people want Alabama to get knocked down a little bit. Uh, but let's let's look at another top 25 matchup. I think there's only three on the weekend. Obviously, we talked about Texas and Iowa State. We've talked about Alabama, Auburn. What do you like about the Notre Dame North Carolina matchup? Does do the Fighting Mac Browns have a shot in this game? Yeah, they absolutely have a shot. Uh, I think this is going to we'll, – we'll just skip right forward to the to where you guys asking for the pick of the week. This is the pick of the week. Ooh, right. I think North Carolina has not just a shot to cover this game. They have a shot to win this game outright. And I think there's a lot of people eating a lot of what Notre Dame has produced so far. And I get it. You beat Clemson. That's a household name. That's a former national champion. But they were in transition to a, a backup quarterback, although he doesn't play like a backup. It's still a change to a backup quarterback. But more importantly, Clemson was without their you know, top linebackers who are excellent in pass coverage. We knew the story there. Notre Dame hid their passing game the entire season, ran the ball, grinded it out. And then once it became time for Clemson, all of a sudden they had all these pass plays because they had been hiding them all season long. And you tack on the fact that Skowski, Jones, uh, there were some really key players. Thomas on the defensive line wasn't there for Clemson. It was just a perfect storm for Notre Dame to get that win. Now we go on the road. Now there's film of Ian Book of what he can do when he decides that he's going to pass. Now I'm not saying North Carolina's defense is any kind of juggernaut and can stop that, but the first thing that came out of Brian Kelly's mouth when he hit his Monday's presser was Sam Howell hitting the glance route, glance route, glance route. That's all he could talk about was Sam because he knows that he is in trouble. This secondary, 11 players on the Notre Dame defense have given up at least a 20-yard pass. 
three of their secondaries have given up at least a 50-yard pass. And let's go and do some comparisons here real quick. You say, well, they played Clemson and they beat Clemson. Clemson's wide receiver, we had questions about this entire unit coming into the season. No Justin Ross. T. Higgins is off. I think Trevor Lawrence had like one player on the, uh, you know, out of everybody that he was like Nagata was the only one he'd had more than double digit targets with. I mean, we're talking about a wide receiver core with Clemson that currently ranks around 30th and North Carolina is I think sixth per PFF grading. Like, and and we're talking Deami Brown. uh, We're talking Javante Williams who averages 11 yards after catch. uh, One of the top in the nation. Listen, this is, even if Notre Dame decides to go grind and, and tries to run them over and steamroll them, the second North Carolina gets down by two scores, it's bombs away. It's bombs away. And, and so I like the over in this game, but more than anything, I think I think North Carolina is going to pull off the upset. He doesn't even need us to introduce the locked on lock no. anymore, Patrick. That is how good Colin Wilson is. He just rolls right into it and he gives you the information you need to know to back up what Colin just said right there. Sam Howell leads the country and throws over 10 yards down the field this year, over 1,300 passing yards on those throws. That's more than 200 more than the second place quarterback in the entire country right now. So that UNC offense is explosive. And as Colin said, look to the over and also look to UNC to cover that five point spread, maybe even sprinkle on the money line as they take on Notre Dame this weekend. The Locked On Lock from Colin Wilson to get you set for your Thanksgiving weekend of college football. It's perfect stuff. Yeah, go on a little bit. Don't for don't forget your Coastals. Don't forget some of your G5s. Get that in there with your mashed potatoes and your stuffing. Uh, <laughs> but, it, yeah, it's going to be a great Thanksgiving weekend. So Friday morning, 11 o'clock Central Time, Texas, Iowa State's kicking it off. But to get ready, to get in my mood, for this football game, I'm going to reach into my fridge and I'm going to pull out the beer that's made to chill. I'm talking Coors Light uh, to get me ready to watch Sam Ellinger in his final home game as a Texas Longhorn in his home state, in his hometown. Uh, and that beer is going to help me relax to enjoy the moment. Uh, I don't know about you, Ben. I know when you got to watch the fighting Reese Davises, you're going to be doing the same thing. You're going to be reaching for the beer that's made to chill. And we're talking about Coors Light. So I have a question for you, though. This is an 11 a.m. Central kick on Friday. You're already going to be reaching for that Coors Light that early on. I can't knock it. I would do the same thing, but I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. Uh, Pre-game starts at 9 a.m. for me. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, listen, Coors Light is there for you. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any college football game, but especially Sam Ellinger's last game at home for the Texas Longhorns just to drink a beer. And if you're like me, you're going to sit back and watch a lot of college football on both Friday and Saturday and enjoy it with Coors Light. Coors Light has mountain cold refreshment in its DNA. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. The Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado, Patrick, makes a beer that is literally made to chill. Colorado Rocky Mountain water in its DNA. That's how you know it's perfect to unwind and you can use it and drink it and have fun with it while you're relaxing during your college football Saturday. Absolutely. And you always want to make sure that you celebrate responsibly with that beer that's made in Golden, Colorado. But the best thing is I don't even have to leave my house on Saturday or Sunday or Friday whenever you're watching your college football or your pro football team as it's Sunday. If the NFL is in the middle of everything going on, Grab that beer that's made to chill. Go to get.coorslight.com. You'll find out who can bring the beer right to you, and then you are all set to chill with Coors Light. All right, as we're getting ready to set you up for SEC ACC this weekend, I just want to remind you, on Monday, 
Candace Cooper is going to be back on the Locked On College Football Podcast. Maybe she's going to be talking about a big upset this weekend. Number 25, North Carolina. Number two, Notre Dame. It's possible. Colin seemed to feel that way. Uh, so you, you got to go with I mean, He's a lot smarter than I am when it comes to these picks. I'm going to listen to Colin. I'm not going to do like I did last time. I bet against him. I lost money. Uh, not doing that again. So take the over. And Candace will be back with you on Monday to discuss this game. But let's dive right into it. Let's talk about that game. Well, we talked about the fighting Mac Browns. You got number 25, number two, Sam Howell versus Ian Book. Uh, how, how are you feeling about this game, Big Ten, Ben? Uh, are, are you like Colin? Are you, are you feeling the upset? I am not. I think that's a trendy pick, and a lot of the numbers that Colin put in there I would agree with, especially how explosive these offenses have been. But I have to correct you on one thing so far. You're saying number 25, North Carolina, number two, Notre Dame. Number two stands regardless. But we got to go off the new CFP rankings that came out on Tuesday because that dictates the rest of the college football season. And speaking of that college football playoff, this North Carolina-Notre Dame game has huge implications for that CFP because if you're a team like Cincinnati, if you're a team like Northwestern, if you're a team like a even if somehow North Carolina pulls off this upset over the fighting Irish on Friday, that sets you up to make a huge jump into that contention for the final four of the CFP. I don't think it happens though. The main reason I don't think it happens is we can talk about how explosive these offenses have been. Ian book has stepped up his game in the last two games. They have played 310 yards and a touchdown versus Clemson 283 and three touchdowns versus a pretty good Jeff halfway run defense at Boston college. And he's been more, more explosive down the field, seven throws of 10 plus yards. We talked about what Sam Howell has done down the field as well. And North Carolina's offense has been really cooking since that abysmal game against Florida state a few weeks back over a month month ago now, but I still think that despite North Carolina being the trendy pick, Notre Dame's defense is going to be the reason they are able to pull off this win and sustain that success they've had. They are 11th in the country in opponents points per play is those fighting fighting Irish defense. I think Notre Dame is able to keep that up this weekend against UNC. They get the win. The cover, I don't know. I think it's going to be a close game. I think Notre Dame could win by three, and that spread right now, as we see it, is five. I just think Notre Dame does enough to get the win. And you know what? I'll go with it. I think the Fighting Irish cover as well. Give me Sam Howell plus five. I got the upset. Number 19, North Carolina, takes down the number two Fighting Irish. Uh, The only thing I I also need to see, speaking of SEC-wise, I need LSU to pull off the upset this weekend. Uh, At number five, Texas A&M, go Tigers, as uh, one Ed Orgeron would say, because you know me, I cover the long one. So I I can't have A&M getting into the playoff with Jimbo. It's – it's going to be very interesting, though. AM hasn't played in what feels like forever. So I wonder how that goes against an LSU team that actually, for the first time in a while, looked pretty solid last week. So I wonder what we'll see out of this LSU team as they try to pull off an upset. This game, I think a lot of people would have thought early on in the year, Thanksgiving weekend, would have been a lot of fun to watch. Not quite the case in terms of how the teams come in approaching this game, but you see what the committee sees in Texas A&M and the fact that they have them so high at that number five ranking right on the cusp of being in that final four discussion. It's going to be interesting. I think Texas A&M still probably gets the win. I think it's a pretty close game though against LSU this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see it. Do they, are they able to run the football consistently? I mean, we've seen an LSU defense hasn't played anywhere near what they expected. 
Uh, they lost a lot, both sides of the ball, and obviously we've seen that this season. Uh, I do expect AM to win this game, but I, I'm pulling uh, for LSU in this game. Uh, let's talk about the big game. Obviously, we, we touched on it with Colin. Iron mm-hmm. Bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. Can Bo Nix do anything against this Alabama defense? I mean, he's got he's got good wide receivers, but uh, Seth Williams, he's going to be going up against a guy named Patrick Sertain. Oh, yeah, by the way, he's looking like a top-five pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, but but you don't believe in anything that Auburn's doing to get within that 24-and-a-half-point spread? Bo Nix in this redemption of the Iron Bowl will not be the same Bo Nix that we saw last year in 2019 when the Tigers pulled off that huge upset over the rival Bama. But Bama's offense right now this year is the best in the country, the most efficient. That passing game is looking incredible. And I think Mac Jones has really started to earn the benefit of the doubt from everybody across the college football landscape. It's not just because he has such talented weapons at his disposal. He is making the plays he needs to, and he's not making any bad plays. He's not just taking advantage of those explosive targets and throwing the ball down the field and saying, oh, I hope this goes the way. He's not turning the ball over. He's not even making turnover-worthy plays. I think this Bama offense is far too good, will put up way too many points for Auburn to be competitive with. And the fact that the Tigers will most likely not have Tank Bigsby, as Colin touched on, they did not have a positive EPA on rushing attempts last week when Tank Bigsby went out. That was the first time all year. If they don't have him, they don't have near the offensive firepower enough to keep up with Alabama this week. I think Bama covers the 24 and a half point spread i think it's going to be an ugly iron bowl that bama dominates from the start yeah it it, we're a far cry from where we were at the beginning of the season because people were talking about when is bryce jones going to take over at quarterback uh but mac is he's having this joe burrow-esque rise uh as we saw last season because nobody was really talking about joe burrow either uh as the season progressed and look where they're at and and Alabama's having a similar rise. So, you know, that that's going to be a huge matchup. I like you. I think Bama rolls in this game. I don't mean that, you know, just in saying roll tide, but I tongue think they're going to roll. It's not tongue in cheek. I, I do think that they roll Auburn in this game. Auburn has been too inconsistent for me to the believe that they can somehow find a way to put it all together against one of the best teams in the country, the number one team in the country as far as the college football playoffs. Okay. Uh, any other SEC games that you are looking at uh, for this weekend? I mean, I know it's a it's a tough slate outside of the big Iron Bowl. I feel bad for Kentucky, the fact that they have to play Bama's offense last week, and now they get the most potent passing attack in the country in Florida. They're just going to be allowing a lot of points, but we have to see what this Gators secondary can do. Eighth worst in the country as it stands right now in guarding against the pass, and if Florida wants any shot at Bama, if they want any shot at a college football playoff run, that secondary needs to shore up and shore up quickly. I think this will be more of a what can we expect from Florida defensively against Kentucky because we know that offense is going to put up a lot of points and then flipping back over to the ACC real quick third ranked Clemson jumping my well the big tens Ohio State Buckeyes in the CFP rankings at least where it comes from the AP poll Clemson gets Pittsburgh this week it's almost like that classic ACC title game that we've seen two of the last three four years whatever it's been both defenses pretty stout I expect Clemson, though, with all the talk from Dabo Sweeney saying that Florida State ducked us, from Trevor Lawrence having two weeks off due to COVID and was supposed to make his return last week and now gets his shot against a Panthers defense that's not terrible but still has some flaws, I expect Clemson to come out and put up a lot of points against Pitt. Yeah, I expect the the statement to be made uh, for a pissed-off Cle- uh, Clemson team who believes – I mean, we. I, I think Dabo speaks for the entire team. I think they all thought – the Seminoles were ducking Clemson last week as that game got 
canceled. All right, but coming up next, we are going to get into the bigs. We're talking Big Ten football. We're talking Big 12 football. We're going to get you for the slate of games plus our Locked On Lock of the Week. All right, so let's dive right into it. Big Ten Ben Stevens here is going to help us get ready for Big Ten football this weekend. Uh, There is a great game going on this weekend between the fighting Jim Harbaugh's and the fighting Franklin's. Penn State, Michigan, what happened? Let's. That's where I want to start. What happened to these? With who? With both teams. I mean, they're both terrible. The offense has been so inconsistent for both sides. That Penn State offense has been stagnant. It seemed like Will Levis was going to come in and provide that spark. He got benched by the guy he benched initially in Sean Clifford. So who knows who's going to start for the Nittany Lions on Saturday against Michigan. And Michigan's offense now also going through its own turmoil. Looks like Cade McNamara, by all indications, mainly from the other players on Michigan's team, not their head coach Jim Harbaugh or their offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis. It seems Cade McNamara will start under center for the Wolverines, but this is an abysmal game. And the fact that ABC and the ESPN family of networks decided that this should be the noon game on national television, like even as a Big Ten guy, I can't get up for that one on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, depending on where you're watching. For me, it's 9 a.m. Pacific now. And like the fact I got to roll out of bed and watch that one, the two other games in that noon Eastern slot, third ranked Ohio State visits Illinois and Maryland visits 12th ranked Indiana. Those games much more intriguing to me than Michigan and Penn State. And who would have thought we would have said that at the start of the season? You could throw in a lot of stats here, right? You could talk about how bad both teams have been. For me, it's pretty simple. I just think Penn State cannot start 0-6. I just don't see it happening. They haven't played exceptionally well in Ann Arbor. They haven't won in Michigan's home stadium in the big empty house since 2009. But I like Penn State. My real pick here, though, take the over of a 58.5 point total because both defenses rank tied for second to last in the Big Ten Conference, giving up 36 points per game. It's going to be a high-scoring game because both defenses just aren't great. I would lean the over of that 58.5-point total. And if you're making me pick this terrible game, unfortunately, I'll say Penn State covers as a two-point underdog as well. You know, flipping on to the other side of the Big 12 this weekend, obviously we're going to get into Iowa State-Texas here in a bit. Uh, The Oklahoma at West Virginia game is very intriguing to me. Uh, I believe it's Oklahoma's a 10-point favorite on the road. Uh, Last check, this West Virginia team is a very good defensive team. I think it's the best defensive team that Spencer Rattler is going to go up against. I know they played Oklahoma State a week ago, uh, but I still think West Virginia has a slightly better defense overall uh, as far as across the board. Uh, But again, West Virginia has not lost this year at home. And they also, you know, took care of some other teams in Morgantown uh, that, you know, many thought that that would come in and and smack them around, and they didn't have a really good defensive team. They run the ball very well, so that's going to be interesting to see that matchup. I still think Oklahoma wins this game, uh, but I do think West Virginia has enough defensively to help cover uh, in this game. But I still think Oklahoma wins. It's going to be huge because teams like Oklahoma State – uh, and Iowa State are going to be watching this game because if Oklahoma loses, you know, that really changes the Big 12 championship dynamic that's going into this weekend. Uh, I don't know if you feel similar on the West Virginia-Oklahoma game. 
I think it's been incredible to see how the Sooners have bounced back and mainly Spencer Rattler bouncing back. But you've got to look at Ramondre Stevenson and what he has brought to that Oklahoma offense. When he's been back now in these three games, it has made them much more two-dimensional, has made them much more explosive. He's really the reason that I turn to when I think of why OU is starting to play so much better than they were at the beginning of the season. You could also add in the fact that since uh, Ronnie Perkins has come back off of suspension, they've given up 10 less points per game in Big 12 play. Uh, I think he already has three and a half sacks, six and a half tackles for loss. His, his presence up front has really helped that Oklahoma defense. And I think there's a reason why a lot of the big 12 is looking at Oklahoma thinking, can somebody beat them please? Because we don't want to play them in the big 12 championship. It was very interesting to see in Bedlam last week, a lot of defensive talk heading into that game, but mainly on Oklahoma State's side and how improved they've been this year. The best defensive group that Mike Gundy's really had in at least a decade there in Stillwater, but it was Oklahoma that showed out even more impressively. And now the fact that they're in pole position for the Big 12 title game after how abysmally they started the season mm-hmm. has got to be pretty impressive and says a lot, obviously, about how great of a head coach Lincoln Riley is and says a lot about what those Sooners are doing right now in Norman. Yeah, as far as as much talk as there's been about Oklahoma State in that defensive side of the ball in their two losses against Texas and Oklahoma they gave up identical 41 points in those games uh, so the defense let them down in those games uh, well you could say the Texas game the reason why they lost that game was their offense couldn't stop turning over the football but your defense still got to keep people from getting into the end zone uh, all right so let's get into my locked on lock of the week Texas Iowa State this is an interesting game Iowa State yeah. In Texas are in the same spot that they were in 2018 going into this game. A win, and you're essentially in the Big 12 championship. If Iowa Correct. State does win, they are for fact in. If Texas wins, they have to win out and still get a little bit of help. Uh, but they got to win this game, and they got to win it in convincing fashion. I don't think that happens. Uh, line, one and a half points right as of we're recording this. Texas is still favored by one and a half. My locked on lock is I'm taking the Longhorns in this game to beat Iowa State. Like I said, Iowa State hasn't won in Austin since 2010. They haven't won back-to-back games against the Longhorns ever. Uh, also, being that it is Sam Ellinger's final home game, there's going to be an emotional Oof. aspect to this. It's a storybook ending, and I think that's how it's going to end. Sam Ellinger and the Longhorns defeat Iowa State. I'm going 27 27- 24 in this game they win by a field goal it's going to be a tight game it's going to be a great game on friday between Oklahoma or iowa state and texas i think that's the most optimistic you've been about the longhorns at really any point since we started recording a locked on college football podcast so it's just great to hear that chipperness in your voice well i mean there's there's so much going into this game they have to win this game but also texas strength is stopping the run. They are one of the top right. 20 teams in stopping the run. Uh, if you look at their EPA, they're so much better stopping the run than they are in stopping the pass. Uh, if if they could create some of those turnovers, uh, Brock Purdy in three of his last four games has thrown at least one interception. He's thrown five of six interceptions in the last four games. Uh, if he's as efficient as he was against uh, Kansas State, then we're going to have a problem because Texas has a problem with stopping the pass. I think that matchup that you just mentioned is going to be very intriguing. Brees Hall, who has been an absolute stud for that Iowa State ground attack, 130 or more yards in seven of his eight games this year, 15 rushing touchdowns this season through eight games. But Texas's rush defense, according to PFF, 15th best in the country. So it's strength versus strength. I probably lean the clones of Iowa State, but 
I'm not going to go against your locked on lock. And I think Colin was kind of leaning that way as well to the Longhorns. So my locked on locks of the week, I have a twofer for you, both coming, of course, from the Big Ten Conference, both 13 and a half point favorites. One comes on Black Friday, 24th ranked Iowa hosts Nebraska. I think Iowa's strength versus Nebraska's weak and weakness is going to be on full display on Friday. Iowa's ground game has gotten so good over these last three games, a three-game winning streak for the Hawkeyes. Meanwhile, Nebraska is a little bit downtrodden. They're rushing defense second to last in the Big Ten Conference. I think Iowa runs through Nebraska. I think they put up a lot of points against a struggling Nebraska team. And that Nebraska offense, especially that passing attack, hasn't really done much for the Huskers these past couple of weeks. I would take Iowa as a 13.5-point favorite. Another 13.5-point favorite, the eighth-ranked fighting Reese Davis is the Northwestern Wildcats take on Michigan State this week. Michigan State coming off an idle week they did not expect due to their game being canceled against Maryland this past Saturday. Northwestern, though, has that defense rolling. 15 takeaways tied with Indiana at the top of college football rankings. Michigan State loves to turn the ball over. On the other hand, they have 14 turnovers so far this year. Northwestern has taken the ball away 15 times. I think that turnover discrepancy is going to be on major display on Saturday. I think that Northwestern defense is as good as we have seen all year long. I don't think they let Michigan State score the ball a lot, and I think Northwestern's offense does enough. They get back and start to find their ground game rhythm as well. Take those two 13.5-point favorites as my locked-on lock, Iowa and Northwestern, both 13.5-point favorites, the Wildcats over Michigan State, Iowa over Nebraska. So there you have it. We told you take Texas, take Iowa and take the fighting Reese Davises, the Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, one matchup before we get out of here, I, I'm going to highlight, and it goes back to that Texas game. Jaquan Bailey is one of the top edge rushers for Iowa State in creating pressure against the guy who gives up the fewest, Samuel Cosme. Could be an NFL matchup that you're going to see at the next level. Uh, watch that. Uh, but for Big Ten Ben, I'm Patrick. Uh, make sure you tune in on Monday as Candace Cooper gets you all caught up on all the weekend's happenings. And I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody, and I hope you enjoy your holiday. Indeed, I second that. And Patrick giving you some insight as we get out of here on top of his Locked On Lock. That's why he's the best, folks. I hope you enjoyed this Friday episode of Locked On College Football. Have a great Thanksgiving weekend. We'll see you next week.